que pasa. Situations and, and so forth. 
but God has placed me and other Christians in that place. Amen. Uh, to bring out uh, to speak life, and uh, I'm just been, it's just a privilege and an honor to actually work with our young people. Praise God. And um, it's a passion of mine, and it's just, just so good to actually see them out in the community, and when they come up to you and they just um, they give you thanks because just to treat them um, with respect and treat them with uh, with dignity, um, it means a lot to them. So it's really fruitful that we speak life, that we speak words of life, that we not speak words of death, that we speak words of encouragement and not discouragement. Our scripture today is, comes from the book of Ezekiel, and if you want to read with me this morning, it comes from Ezekiel 37, 1 to 9. The dry bones live. The dry bones live. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there was a very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath into you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was condemned, commanded. Sorry. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. There was, no, there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come to the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding mighty army. Now, just reflecting back on, uh, on, on the young people that I work with and the difficulties that they, um, that they come from, it can be a place where it can be quite unrewarding. You're not, you won't see a lot of um, results. And um, working there day to day, uh, month to month, um, can take a toll on somebody if, if you're unable to see the changes in, in these young people's lives. However, God's put me in that place, and I do believe that, um, that there is change, even though I can't see it, but God is moving in their lives as a speak life into them. You know, we, we have a lot of difficulties and setbacks um, in our lives, and as Christians, you know, being in the valley that we find ourselves in sometimes, from the dry bones, you know, there can be times in our life when we lose hope, that we lose, that we lose track of our dreams, and dreams may be, become further away than, than what they can seem to, to, be, to be accomplished. 
or visions that God has given me, given us. Um, and just through time, um, life can kind of punch you in the stomach and, um, and you can lose your breath and you can lose the spirit that God's given you. Amen. You know, but we're, but when, even when we're just praying for prophetic words to come, come about in our lives, you know, time can really just start to wear us down and we become dry and we become frail and our faith starts to dwindle and our spirit begins to um, die. You know, I was involved um, in a church split um, in, um, in a church um, previous, and it was a very difficult time in my life, um, building community, um, investing and, and sowing into our church community, and to have a church split was a, was a real um, impact on my life. Um, you know, I built, built friends and, and good friends and so forth, and, and all of those things started to break away. Um, with uh, and even you know relationship with um, with my leaders and those that I had to be accountable to, and um, so I spent some time away um, seeking the Lord, or I didn't attend church because I needed to process things in my life and um, and the hurt that um, that was going on in me. But um, but God knew, Amen. As uh, God, uh, as the Scripture says in verse three, God asked Ezekiel, son of man. Can these dry bones live? And um, and Ezekiel said, Sovereign Lord, only you know. You know, only the only the Lord God knows um, our situation and the, and the despair that we face. Amen. Amen. Um, God is asking us whether God is asking us to trust Him. God is asking us to whether we can trust Him, especially in difficult times and difficult situations. Um, there have been uh, times in where our dreams, hopes, and visions have not been fulfilled, and we've been praying for our children to turn to God, or whether it be illnesses in our in our body, or whether it be a promotion, or whether it be work, whatever the situation may be. You know, God is faithful, and He can be trusted. Amen. And we continue to um, to push into Him because we know that even though we may not see it, God is working not only within us but also throughout us and around us. Amen. Ezekiel says, Sovereign Lord, only you know. Trust in the Lord. God sees and knows all things. Prophesy to these bones, he says to them. O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. And to hear the word of the Lord, God actually draws us closer to him. He draws us with his spirit. And by faith, we hear the word of the Lord, and then we can speak into our situation. Speak into our hearts, speak into our marriages, speak to our family, speak into our community, speak into our finances, whatever the Lord may give to, may speak to you about, believe that God will fulfill it and continue to believe that it will come too. Amen. Amen. God is moving in you and around you. When Ezekiel prophesied that the dry bones came together and sinew and flesh came upon them and the skin covered them. God is orchestrating your breakthrough in you and around you. He is working all around you at this moment. Believe it, church. Amen. God will always work it for your good. You know, when I was in the dry when I was in the dry valley, and my life, my, my life seemed like it was, you know, had come apart. 
during that church split and the many hurts that I had faced, the many relationships that had broken, God healed me again. He spoke life into me through my friends, through my family, and through God, and through the community, um, godly people that he surrounded me with. And now, I, we, my Sandy and I, we found a, a church in Forever House in Paddington uh, while we were there. And uh, we're serving again, and, um, and we've, been, we've been blessed just to be in the house of the Lord again, and having him speak into our circumstances, speak into our marriage, speak into our finances, we continue to believe for more in our life and that God is doing a great work still. Amen. Amen. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath and prophesy to the son of, prophesy, son of man. And he says to the breath, thus says the Lord, come, for, come from the four winds, O breathe, and breathe into the slain that they may live. You know, God not only restores us mentally, physically, um, and emotionally, but he can restore us spiritually also. Yeah. You know, even though um, we may feel and we may look and we may um, know that uh, that things are well, however, if God's spirit is not within us, then we are still we are still lost to him. Amen. Amen. God is saying, allow the spirit of the Lord to flow through you, uh, church. Let it allow the Spirit of the Lord to speak into your hearts and speak into your soul and speak into your situation. Likewise, as God used me in the prison, He can speak life into you and He can use you to speak life into your situation. Amen? So, church, be encouraged today that the Lord is moving and that His Spirit is with you and, um, and just make room for Him this morning. Amen? Amen. Well, to no further ado, to my... Lovely wife, Sandy. Give her a hand. Thank you. I'm going to be sharing a little bit about my story. Um, and I hope that you can identify with just some parts of my story. But if not, I believe that you're going to be all blessed. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was a little girl... I had this beautiful, beautiful long hair right up to my waist. And, you know, my parents, they actually refused to cut or even trim my hair. And, uh, and I think having long hair as a girl in a Samoan family was just part of the cultural norm. So I had to get up extra early in the morning just to comb my hair and plait it before I went to school. And I had these two long pigtails. And, uh, you know, you see in my school photo, I'm not going to show you, but um, I was so cute and chubby. Yeah. And it was just such a mission, just combing out the knots in my hair and then planning that every morning. But by the time I was 10 years old, I was so over it, and I decided one day to cut my hair myself because I wanted to look like the 80s pop stars like Belinda Carlisle, Tiffany, <laughs> you guys know you guys. Yeah, yeah. but when I ended up cutting my hair to my shock horror I looked like the Jackson 5 brothers you know like the younger version of Michael Jackson when he was a little boy with the afro I didn't realize at 10 years old how thick my hair was and when I cut it short 
So my grandmother, who's half blind, decided to kind of style it. And she started hacking at it with scissors, paper scissors, not hairdresser scissors. So when I went to school with this afro and with dents and bowl patches, I'm not kidding. (laughs) So yeah, I got teased and I got mocked a lot. And the kids would laugh at me and they just kind of pointed at my afro yelling, ugly. Oh my God, look at your hair. You look like a boy. Look at that bowl patch. Um, But you know, I would respond by saying, I don't care. Because sticking stones might break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Hang on. But in reality, sticking stones may break my bones, and yes, name calling did hurt me. It crushed my little heart. Um, but what matters, made matters worse, because I know that I think few of you may have heard my testimony that I grew up in a dysfunctional. A home environment that was quite harsh and quite abusive and negative. So the words that were spoken over my life as a kid was, you're stupid, you can't do anything right, you're useless, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I'm sure you can interpret that. But anyway, um, so the words are powerful. It can either break our hearts and make us feel terrible, or it can build us up and make us feel good. So in Proverbs 18.21 it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I love the messenger. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So, you know, when we read in the Bible in the very beginning, um, God creates the world and he speaks it forth, you know, into existence. And, you know, throughout the scriptures, there's so much power in the words where even Jesus spoke and he declared, be healed, and people were instantly healed. So there's power in words. So words are a tool that God uses to bring life. However, the enemy can also use words as a tool to bring death. So your words are very powerful. So on average, we speak probably about sixteen to 17,000 words per day. I think woman, maybe a little bit more. Just a little bit more. But who's heard of the Japanese scientist Masaru Emoto? Yeah, you can Google him, but he's performed some of the most fascinating experiments on the effect that words have on energy in the 90s. And so when frozen, water that is pure will form beautiful ice crystals that look exactly like kind of snowflakes under the microscope. But water that was polluted didn't. So in this experiment, Emoto poured pure water into bowls and labelled with negative phrases, like negative words spoken over that water, like I hate you or fear. And after 24 hours, the water was frozen. It didn't form those beautiful ice-like crystals under the microscope. In fact, it formed grey, misshapen clumps instead. In contrast, Emoto poured polluted water into the vials and labelled it with positive words that were spoken over it like, I love you, or peace. And after 24 hours, that water actually produced perfectly hexagon ice crystals. So, you know, his experiments proved that energy generated by positive or negative words can actually change 
the physical structure of an object. How interesting is that? So words have power. I want you to say words have power. Words have power. Are we speaking mostly words of life or death over ourselves or over others? And, you know, I believe that however, you know, we define our lives by every thought and every word. So if we want our lives to change, it all starts with what we think and then what we say. So what you allow to occupy your mind and your mouth, you can either speak blessings to your life to create heights of success, or you can speak negatively or words of death into realms of failure, sadness, and discontentment. So we can either, like I said, bless others with our words, or we can destroy them. Now, like what Ephesians 4 says in 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I love messenger. It says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, because each word is a gift. Amen. So as I mentioned before, what we think is what we say. So your thoughts actually comes from your heart. In other words, your heart is your soul. So your soul is your will, your emotions, or your thought patterns, or your intellect. So we are made up of our body, soul, and spirit, and our spirit is meant to rule over our body and soul. Amen? Amen. So whatever you harbor in the innermost corridors of your heart, which is your emotions and your thought life and your will, will sooner or later reveal itself through your words or your actions. Amen? So in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Have you ever been around people who are always complaining, moaning, critical, or negative all the time? I mean, I, don't, I haven't come across anyone here at this church. <laughs> I see somebody come say, You know, when you come across, when you come around those type of people, it's like they're just kind of draining, they suck the life out of you. They just don't, you just don't want to be around them, yeah? Or maybe you add your 10 cents worth of your negativity and you get influenced by them. No, that's not us. But what do you sense when you're around people who are always speaking positively, words of life? What kind of feeling do you get? Amen. Yeah, you just want to be around them all the time. You know, you get so encouraged, you're uplifted, you feel like on top of the world, and you just kind of get so influenced that you become positive yourself. Amen. That's why I love being around Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) But do you kind of get annoyed when you're around those happy people? You know, does it annoy you? I've come across some people who are like that at work. Anyway, um, in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. And also the messenger version, it says, Keep vigilant, watch over your heart. That's where life starts. 
Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless panter, banter, white lies and gossip. See, when our hearts is filled with love, kindness and forgiveness, you know, the result is we tend to speak gracious love and positive words, yeah? Amen. But when our hearts filled with bitterness, guilt, fear, we tend to speak angry or negative words. Um, in Matthew 12, 33 to 34, so Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, that's Jesus talking to the Pharisees, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And in the messenger version, it says, you have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchid. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is coming back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. Wow. So, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, when we've experienced trauma, wounds or lies within our heart or soul, it really affects the way we see ourselves. It affects the way we see people. It affects how we view life challenges and especially the way we view God. And most of the times it's evident by the way we speak, the way we think, and also through our actions. Not all the time, but eventually it will spill out here and there. Amen. Amen. And so, as I mentioned before, you know, I was raised in a home where negative words were spoken over me as a child. And, you know, to be honest, I was really quite wounded in my heart where I ended up leaving these lies just growing up into adulthood. And I think as a child, you know, you just kind of couldn't rationalise things, you know, you couldn't really challenge those words. So that's why it just becomes like a stronghold. And, um, and there's so much evidence and research that, that proves how we were treated earlier in life affects the way we see ourselves and who we are. And, um, you know, the research says if children are mistreated, punished, frequently abused, neglected, abandoned, these experiences leave emotional and psychological scars. So it's really important as parents that we can speak life into our children. Amen. And even with life circumstances where people may have experienced a sudden stressful change in life, or there's been a lot of series of stresses, like one stress after another stress after another stress, or even when someone has wronged them, whether it be a family member, a work colleague, or you know, or even at church, you know, and it can have that negative impact on a person's heart, especially, you know, at that level, emotionally, physically, and, and spiritually. And, you know, and I've seen it in my workplace, uh, for those who don't know, I work in mental health, um, you know, people attempt to hide the pain of brokenness, you know, by being judgmental, manipulative, distancing themselves from others, being critical, angry, or filled with unforgiveness, which is evident with the way they behave, think, and speak. 
And sadly, people do use coping strategies or defense mechanisms of addictions, being workaholics or keeping people at a distance, trust issues, or being abusive themselves just to make them feel better or to protect themselves. You know, when I became a Christian, yeah, I gave my heart to Jesus and my spirit was awakened and renewed. However, I had to fight, fight the good fight of faith Amen. to renew and transform my mind on a daily basis, which I remember my dear sister Saul was just sharing a powerful testimony. And, um, you know, our relationship with God is a journey. Yes. Yeah, it's a long process. Amen. And God's still working on me. I'm not perfect. And, um, you know, and I used to have a lot of negative self-talk going through my mind. I have this dialogue with myself, you know, like, oh, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? What would people think? Yeah, some of it was the devil, but some of it was me, you know, me speaking from the wound of my heart. And so when you go through challenges and stresses of life, because the rain falls on the just and unjust. Amen. We will all experience stresses of life. Um, it's how you handle it. And, uh, you know, as followers of Christ, it's important that we just turn and run to Him. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier on in my journey, my relationship with God, my Christian walk, you know, when I went through challenges of life, everything seemed amplified a hundred times. I catastrophized. And thought the worst and had this unbelief that I don't know whether God would take care of it. Maybe I've got to sort it out myself because, you know, um, I'm that good. <laughs> um, or maybe I'm not working hard enough or I can't do this. So I spoke a lot of words of death because of the negative, like the challenges of life that I was going through. And um, sometimes some of us. You know, I'm not too sure we can relate, but sometimes we say, oh, Lord, this is too hard. I hate my life. I don't think it's going to work out. My kids are rebellious. My husband is lazy. I'm always poor. And sometimes, you know, we need to keep our mouths shut sometimes. Amen. <laughs> or even think before we speak. Yes. Yeah? Because when you're wounded in your heart, which leads to believing negative lives, you see through distorted lens about God, everything kind of different perspective on things. You know, you just see things differently about God, about people, about the world, and the problem becomes bigger than what it really is. Yeah? Amen. And, um, and so, of course, you can misinterpret and misconstrue. Example, you know, maybe coming to church and maybe, for example, Leroy didn't speak to you, and then you think, oh, maybe he hates me. And uh, But then, you know, maybe you don't know that Leroy's got millions of things that he has to do, you know, before the service, oh, like uploading scriptures and songs on the AV that he didn't mean to kind of not say hi to you. You know, that's like an example when someone or a leader gives you a constructive feedback and love because they care for you, they want you to grow, and you kind of, you know, you take it the wrong way, you know. Um, and then, hello, through your distorted lens, you think all of a sudden that 
maybe these leaders are gossiping about you. <laughs> and everyone hates me. <laughs> then it leads to, I just think I want to come to church. And now I don't believe in God anymore. You know, <laughs> that, that's, that's sometimes a mentality Amen. Um, that it's people good. have. Not anyone here, but, you know, um, in, in the Old Testament, we read in Numbers chapter 1, see, God told Moses to select 12 leaders from each of the tribes to spy out the promised land and return with a, a report. And the spies came back with a report that the land was fruitful, beautiful, and productive. But the city is strong and fortified, and the people who live there are strong, and they are like giants, and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. See, the Israelites believed in their own minds and heart that they were grasshoppers before the giants. However, two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, had a different spirit and objected and said, we are well able to take the land. But the 10 spies, they spread rumors and started to talk negatively and discourage the people, causing fear because they, the people believed that they would be destroyed. The people even spoke about stoning Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua and thought of appointing a new leader to take them back to Egypt. See, the Israelites trusted more in the comfort of slavery than in the hope of living victoriously like kings and priests. Did you know, as a result, of the murmuring and speaking out words of death, the Israelites, 20 years and above, they wandered and died in the wilderness over 40 years. And did you know that the, that there were about 603,000 603, men of war? That doesn't include their wives. They actually died in the wilderness. And only two, so there would probably be over a million, including their wives, all died over 20 and above, except for Caleb and Joshua. Wow. See, you know, God performed miracle signs and wonders, like he performed miracles of plagues, part of the Red Sea, miraculously rescued the Israelites from, from the Egyptian slavery, led them by cloud by day, fire by night, but yet they still had that mindset and heart of slavery, that victim mentality. You know, I, I, I suspect that they probably had lots of unforgiveness, a wounded heart from being mistreated by the Egyptians and believed so many lies that they found it hard to let it go and be healed from their wounds of the heart and mind. You know, God led me to realize that my relationship with my earthly father was not nurturing was very distant and controlling, which impacted on my relationship with God and the way I viewed God. You know, I really, the lies that I struggled that God was similar. He was very distant and cold. And when I failed, was, I stuffed up. I found it hard to accept that God loved me. And did you know that the earthly father's role is to give us identity, provision, and protection? But if these needs are not met, then people will struggle with identity. Amen. Amen. Um, so to bring in a healing, that leads us to speaking life. And I think I'm just going to share um, 
just one of the key principles is forgiveness. I know that we've heard it all before and it sounds cliche, but God commands us to forgive because he forgives us. And there's um, psychological studies that have been shown that forgiveness is, is powerful component of psychological and physical health. There's been studies on the, on the topic of forgiveness have shown that the power of forgiveness actually positively affects and improves heart disease. Amen. Crime prevention, troubled marriages and family dynamics. You know, there will always be people in our lives or in our early experiences, may not be our far, earthly fathers, but there will be somebody that will hurt us or annoy us. You know, situations may happen. And we've got to constantly forgive. Praise God. And like I, 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 I've, you know, like the saying that I've heard, from, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to, to die. die. Amen. You know, forgiveness is the key that unlocks prison doors behind what you've been in, in that prison. So you can, you have the choice to forgive Amen. by unlocking yourself from that prison cell. Nobody else can do it, only you can do it. Amen. It's about setting yourself free. But you may say, oh, but that's really, hang on, that's unfair because that person hurt and abused me. Yeah, it is unfair what that person did to you, but putting yourself through that prison of living in a defeated, angry and hurt state, or living in that addicted lifestyle to numb the pain for a long time, I mean that's living hell. While the perpetrator is probably sitting in his armchair watching TV, oblivious to what you're going through, let God be your vindicator and heal your heart Amen. Through forgiveness. Because God will use you. Amen. He will use you powerfully with what you've been through to help others. Amen. Amen. The struggles that you've been through because you've been there and you've been able to overcome through God. Amen. And so these are one of the tools that We've learned from Sozo, which is an inner healing and deliverance ministry, and um, which we're going to launch next year. And uh, it's really helped me to draw closer to God and heal my heart from past emotional wounds, um, and you know, and and just the tools of asking myself, how do I view God? How do I feel and and sense God for me right now? You know. Although I've forgiven my earthly father, I just love him to bits. But I still feel at times, and I'm just being real, that God is distant and disconnected from me. When I started asking these questions, where are you, God, right now? And I have this picture, everybody's different, of God sitting on his throne, but me, as a little girl, just playing at his feet. And then I just saw myself climbing up on his, on his lap, feeling protected and secure. And his love for me was overwhelming. God. And God spoke to me and he said, you are my beloved. And it was like a rima word for me, you know? Like he spoke, you are my beloved and I so love you. Yes. And, um, and that just really helped 
to heal my wound. And, and then there are times when, you know, going through just a real stressful time and uh, I was just really praying. And then I saw a picture of me just running on this wheel like a hamster on this, you know, the hamster wheel. But that was me, like I was just running because I was feeling really stressed. And it was like Jesus spoke to me and he said, can you not? Can you just come here and relax? I mean, that's how Jesus speaks to me. It was like, can you not? Here I am sitting on this, you know, reclining chair and there was an empty chair next to him. He said, come over here and sit next to me and let's chat. You know, and um, God is always speaking to us. He speaks life into us. Amen. Yes, but we got to be still and stop speaking. Stop getting distracted. <laughs> Sometimes we're going to just take a deep breath and just silence ourselves and listen while God speaks to you because it's a two-way conversation. Maybe it's a picture. Maybe it's his word. It's an impression or vision. But God speaks. I think the other powerful key is, yeah, going back to your foundation, meditating and speaking life, speaking out the Amen. word of God, speaking blessings and promises over our life, family and friends. Somebody we just got to be thankful for what we have rather than complain for what we don't have. And in Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates into dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, my beautiful church family, when we speak life, we can take misery and disappointment Amen. and turn it around to a blessing. Praise God. When we speak life, we can take irritation and transform it into inspiration. When we speak life, we can take anger and turn it into peace. When we speak life, we can take problems and just turn it to praise. And uh, I just want to finish. I just want to just, with, with the words of this song, I'm sure that you know some of you may recognize it. And... Um, it talks, uh, the song goes, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not good enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just a sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am, because I need to know. You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. You say I'm held when I'm falling short, when I don't belong, oh, you say that I am yours, and I believe, yes, I believe in you, Lord, what you say of me, I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me, and you, I find my worth, and you, I find my identity. You say I'm loved, and I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong, and I think I'm weak. And you say, Jesus, I'm held when I'm falling short. Amen. When I don't belong, but you say, Jesus, that you say that I am yours and I believe. Oh, I believe. Oh, I believe. Amen. So, without further ado, take it away, Dave's ring. Lead us.
Let's just be ministered this morning. In my mind, it's saying I would Every single lie that tells me I will never bear. And I'm more than just a sum of it. Every victory, 
What you say? 